part three of session 16. Today we're getting into the confederation of planets. Application of the law one in a sense that I want to elaborate a little bit and also cattle mutilations. Let's go. Before we start, let me make an update on my previous video where I made a comment that I was confused with the origin of Yahweh because in session 18 they talk about it from being uh, from the Confederation of Planets and not from the Orion group and this got me confused so I wasn't too sure. Now if you read session 18 you see that there is a lot of information that is kind of contradictory to what they said in session 16 and again I was kind of confused. Now credit to YouTuber name Dean Story, who gave me the uh, information about looking into Quo, which is another entity that they channel in LNL Research, and they talk about Yahweh as well. So credit to him, thank you so much for uh, guiding me there, because I actually got into Brian Scott's famous YouTuber who talks about the Law of One and other spiritual topics, and I realized that as I thought, there is actually two Yahwehs. So, that's the, uh, uh, the clarification I want to make for now. There are two Yahwehs, that's all you need to know, uh, to know. There's a positive and a negative Yahweh. And I will explain this in session 18, where they actually talk about this. And I think it's session 24 or so, they talk about it again. So uh, we'll cover that in session 18. I don't want to make it you know, part of this video too much, but I do want to make the clarification that the confusion that I had in the last video, I did talk about Yahweh being from the Orion, uh, the Orion group, and that's actually fine and perfect. But there is another Yahweh who is from the Confederation of Planet and positive. Very confusing there, but there's a beautiful explanation that I'll talk about in session 18. So again, thank you Dean Story for pointing me out to the Quo material. I actually got to uh, Brian Scott, and then I read the Quo uh, information. I think it was from 1990 where they channel uh, quo or 1996, 1996 I think it is. So again, uh, I'll clarify this more in session 18. But for now, let's jump into the Confederation of Planets and the material of this video. The first question that we're going to cover, continuing from session 16, is Don asking, we're saying, thank you very much. Can you tell me how the Confederation of Planets was formed and why? Ross says, the desire to serve begins, in the dimension of love or understanding, to be an overwhelming goal of the social memory complex. Thus, those percentiles of planetary entities, plus approximately 4% more of whose identity we cannot speak, found themselves long, long ago in your time seeking the same thing, service to others. The relationship between these entities as they enter an understanding of other beings other planetary entities and other concepts of service was to share and continue together these commonly held goals of service. Thus, each voluntarily placed the social memory complex data in what you may consider a central thought complex available to all. This then created a structure whereby each entity could work in its own service while calling upon any other understandings needed to enhance the service. This is the cause of the formation and the matter of the working of the confederation. Okay, so beautiful here. Uh, as Ra is explaining, confederation of planets kind of form where 
the seeking of service to others became a common goal between social memory complexes. Because in fourth density, that's what we start seeking, service to others, uh, because it's our choice for sure as we graduate into fourth density to serve others. And it becomes just uh, almost like fanatic. I know the word is not the best you know, in this context, but uh, it becomes very, the, the predominant thing that we create thoughts or we direct our, our attention to, the focal point. And because of that, the Confederation of Planets form. The cool thing that they say here, now remember, a social memory complex is a state by which the whole civilization shares the thoughts and the feelings and experiences and stories and history and everything. Basically, we become clear, uh, crystal clear to each other and we can share all our database together. Now imagine the Confederation of Planets being a bunch of social memory complexes sharing everything together. So it's not just say us on planet Earth when we achieve social memory complex and um, collectively share everything together, but other planets or civilizations as we'll get into that. So that's what the Confederation of Planets is and how they form, of course, with the idea of service to others. And we'll continue with what the Confederation of Planets is in the next question here, where Dunn says, with such a large number of planets in this galaxy, you say that there are approximately 500 planets in the Confederation. There seems to be a relatively small number of Confederation planets around. Is there a reason for it? Ross explains, there are many Confederations. This Confederation works with the planetary spheres of seven of your galaxies, if you will, and is responsible for the callings of the densities of these galaxies. Okay, pretty quick here. We're going to explain what galaxies mean here if you're thinking about the, uh, the regular galaxies that we know. It's a misunderstanding that we're going to clear out. Uh, but the point that I want to make is that there are many confederations. So this makes me believe that in our galaxy, the Milky Way, there seems to be several confederations uh, of planets. I'm sure they're not named like that. I'm sure that in that density of work, they are just a sort of natural occurrence that happens when social memory complexes get together and they work around certain planets. Now, I don't think, or I don't know if there's an assignment specific, but they do talk about now, and we're gonna get into what they talk about galaxies, um, which is just uh, stellar systems. And they have a local group, which, uh, which of course the solar system is part of, and other ones that they work uh, together. So let's clear out the galaxy term here, where Don says, would you define the word galaxy as you just used it? Russ says, we use that term in this sense as you would use star systems. Don says, I'm a little bit confused as to how many total planets then, roughly does the confederation that you are in surf. Ra says, I see the confusion. We have difficulty with your language. The galaxy term must be split. We call galaxy that vibrational complex that is local. Thus, your sun is what we would call the center of a galaxy. We see you have another meaning for this term. And this certainly is confusing when we talk about uh, galaxies within our galaxy. Um, but what makes me think, and this is just speculation or me visualizing uh, how things work from that dimension and how they see us. Now remember, they've said in the past that they don't see us as individual humans or 
individual organisms within the planet. They see us as a whole, so they cannot differentiate or talk about one specific. And uh, that's part of the view that they have uh, uh, or the vantage point that they have of looking at the planet itself. In the same way, I believe this is how they see the stars. They see them as small galaxies. And we all know this if we study a little bit of astronomy and we know that the galaxy has a core and it has just uh, billions of stars and every star has uh, planets and the planets, some of them have, like Jupiter here in our beautiful solar system, has a lot of um, satellites which are almost like planetoids, you know, the five Galilean moons and so on. So. I've heard also, I'm not too sure about this, but it seems actually plausible that each planet will eventually become a star, and uh, which is fascinating. I don't want to get too deep into that because there's even mentioned that even uh, us humans, of course, as we increase in our vibratory rates, we also become part of stars. Um, and again, that's also mentioned. I, I made a mention also uh, in the last video, I did it on my Spanish channel though, uh, where uh, Ra says in other sessions that six density beings actually reside or can reside in stars. But anyhow, I'm getting, I digressing a lot of here. So the point is that they see stars as galaxies as well. So that's the, the whole confusion. But it's, uh, it's interesting how they see uh, not the galaxy itself or what we know as a galaxy, but, you know, it's stars as galaxies and galaxies as, I don't know, just... Uh, a bunch of galaxies together but anyhow for us now it's going to be star system so let's go on with the next question that Don has all right he says yes in our science the term galaxy refers to the lenticular star system that contains millions and millions of stars and this had occurred earlier in our communication this area of confusion I'm glad to get it cleared up now using the term galaxy in the sense that I just gave you of the lenticular star system that contains millions of stars, do you know of the evolution in other galaxies besides this one? Ra says, we are aware of life in infinite capacity. You are correct in this assumption. Don says, can you tell me if the progression of life in other galaxies is similar to progression in this one? Ra says, the progression is somewhat close to the same asymptotically approaching congruency throughout infinity. The free choosing of what you call galactic systems causes variations of an extremely minor nature from one of your galaxies to another. Okay, so here I wanna make a pause because I wanna talk about something that you can derive from the material as you go on in sessions, and is that Galaxies, even though we're separated by the seemingly distance that we know in light years and so on, uh, remember we're consciousness and consciousness is everything. So the fabric of consciousness, to put it that way, is present instantaneously in the whole universe. I like to picture sometimes, just you know, when it suits me, of course, with this kind of explanation, that the whole universe and all the galaxies, stars, planets, etc., is like a big brain where things just happen instantaneously in our minds and create thoughts. In fact, we always talk about the original thought, which was the creation of the universe. Now, what I want to I want you to picture here is that the um, the information that travels throughout the universe is in instantaneous to every galaxy. 
It's almost like neurons in the brain that get instantaneous connections to create thoughts or uh, any kind of reactions in the brain. In the same way, it seems to happen, as Ra explains in further sessions, that information gathered in one galaxy actually uh, also is uh, received by another galaxy because it's the same consciousness. So whatever experiences learned in one is shared with the other. And this is, I mean, this is not at the level of social uh, memory complex. Again, I want to divide that uh, explanation because it has nothing to do with the entities themselves, but with the intelligence of the universe or infinite, uh, uh, intelligent infinity. So very important to keep that in mind. Why am I mentioning this? Because Don is asking about uh, life in other galaxies. And Ra says we are aware of infinite life, you know, throughout the universe, basically. And that means that the same life that is occurring in this galaxy is happening in other galaxies. But they say that the free choosing of what you call galactic systems causes variations of an extremely minor nature from one of your galaxies to another. I'm getting ahead of myself here from further material, but I think it's important to mention it now. And because I love doing this, of course, I will continue to say it. <laughs> so uh, what they say here is the logos of the galaxy. Remember, I, I believe I talked about this in, uh, in previous videos, but the logos being the intelligence of the galaxy kind of tinkers with the, um, with the archetypes of what the uh, life should be or consciousness should evolve in the, uh, in the galaxy itself. Now, this is handed down to every little star, say in this case, the sun, who also tinkers with it and creates different. This is to create variety, infinite variety within every planet, every star, every galaxy throughout the whole universe. Um, that's what Ra is referring to here, in my opinion, because of what I know. And those are the variations of an extremely minor nature from one of our galaxies to another, because it's just, it's evolving. Every single galaxy is evolving at the same time with all the single entities that exist all the way up to the galaxy. So I hope that makes sense, makes sense to me. If not, uh, just as always, leave me a comment and we'll talk about it. Um, Don says, and then the law of one is truly universal in creating the progression toward the eighth density or octave in all galaxies. Is this correct? Ra says, this is correct. There are infinite forms, infinite understandings, but the progression is one. Don says, I am assuming it is not necessary for an individual to understand the law of one to go from third to fourth density. Is this correct? Ra says, it is absolutely necessary that an entity consciously realize it does not understand in order for it to be harvestable. Understanding is not of this density. All right, very quick pause here. I promise I'm not gonna extend myself. A couple of things. The law of one is universal. Every single galaxy has to go through the law of one. This is just an experience or a, uh, a line of work, if you will, that was created by the creator or us. Remember, we are the creators um, to progress towards the all the, the densities of consciousness to reach the creator again. So all the galaxies in the universe need to follow that law. So the law of one is universal. The other thing is that Don asks, and he's gonna get clarification uh, on this in a second, but 
ask about the law of one to that we need to know. The reason why I'm making this pause is actually because Ra, um, as you'll see now, kind of misunderstands the question and says it is absolutely necessary that an entity consciously realizes it does not understand in order for it to be harvestable. Why am I making this point here is that we do not need to understand. Understanding is not from this density. So even as I try to plunge into all this information that just fascinates me about the law of one and the, the raw material and everything else, there's no need for understanding the law of one. You gain nothing from understanding the law of one in an academic way, let's put it that way. What we need to do is live the law of one. Just start applying it and experience it and live it. Um, so that's what's important. I'm not going to get ahead of myself in the next question because I want to talk about it, but uh, it's, it's crucial. Nothing of what I'm saying here is of any absolute value to me or you guys if we're not applying the law of one in our day-to-day -day living. I'll remind you, Ra says, and I I see it's, it, it makes a lot of sense, that we need first to know the self, second to accept the self, and third, become the creator. To me, applying the law of one into three, this uh, three steps is crucial. But again, let's go on with the next question where Don says, that is a very important point. I used the wrong word. What I meant to say was I believe that it was not necessary for an entity to be consciously aware of the law of one to go from third density to fourth density. Ross says this is correct. And I just got ahead of myself there, so that's true. At what point in densities is it necessary for an entity to be consciously aware of the law of one to progress? The fifth density harvest is of those whose vibratory distortions consciously accept the honor duty of the law of one. This responsibility honor is the foundation of this vibration. Can you tell me a little bit more about this honor responsibility concept? Ross says, each responsibility is an honor, each honor a responsibility. And okay, so this is pretty clear. Um, the only thing I want to talk about here is the uh, application of the law of one. Like they said, uh, it's uh, it's important to um, to n live it basically. Like I said, that's the the important part. And then you know they get into uh, why or when is it that we consciously need to be aware of the law of one that is in fifth density. So just a quick reminder. reminder Third density is the choice where we need to know our polarity. We either polarize towards the positive or the negative. Fourth density is where we're going to get into love and understanding, whether it be love to service to others or love, extreme love of the self on the negative path. And then on fifth density is the wisdom where we need to start learning and balancing actually a little bit more wisdom so we can progress to sixth density where we apply the law of one or we learn the law of one actually and apply it. So there is choice, there is love and understanding, there's wisdom and then the law of one. So in fifth density is where you need to be consciously aware of the law of one. Okay, that's it. And now we're on to the weird stuff of this video, which is cattle mutilation. Um, Don says, I want to ask a rather questionable question. I may not put it in the book. I was wondering if cattle mutilations that we now experience across the country and elsewhere could be explained by you. Ross says, 
the greater part of your so-called mutilations take place according to the ways of your second density beings which feed upon carrion. A portion of these so-called mutilations are those which are of what you may call multidimensional type, a thought form construct using various parts in order to have life and being third density. I gotta be honest, I'm not quite sure what they mean by the greater part of your so-called mutilations take place according to the ways of your second density beings which feed upon carrion. To me, that seems to uh, imply that a lot of the cattle mutilations is almost like entities that live here um, within different planes of the earth and they just feed on, on, uh, on animals for some reason. That's what I get from that. And the other one is the um, that which is multidimensional and a thought form construct using various parts in order to have life and being in third density. It almost seems, sounds very creepy to be honest, but it sounds to me more like they're taking the parts so they can, they can have like a Frankenstein body. I don't know, I may be, you know, getting really far-fetched here, but that's what I gather from here. Uh, if you guys have any information that I would love to read it and understand a little bit more because that uh, to me doesn't make much sense, but that... So they continue saying, where do these thought forms come from? Ra says, this is a very ambiguous question. However, we will attempt to answer. Firstly, they come from the creator. Secondly, they come from what you may call lower astral inner plane thoughts. Thirdly, in constraint visualization complex, they reside in part beneath the crust of your earth. And see, this again uh, makes me think a little bit more on the origin of these um, of these entities because well first first notation here is that it makes me think sometimes why Ra says uh, when when they are asked where does something come from they always state like they come from the creator I don't know if this is just to say or always remind us that everything comes from the creator or if there are some things that do not come from the creator per se uh, and they make some differentiation, but uh, I don't know. I don't want to get too far there. It just seems like ambiguous to me, actually, using their own words there. Um, so the other thing is that, okay, they come from lower astral inner plane thought. That to me can be the uh, entities living under the earth. They create thought forms that are very powerful and uh, do their bidding, of course, to uh, gather this these organs and what they used to take or still take, I'm not sure if it's still happening, from cattle and, uh, and other animals. And lastly, they said, in construct visualization complex, they reside in part beneath the crust of your planet. That sounds to me again, just to validate my previous point or just wild idea that they create the, what I would call Frankenstein bodies for them to reside in third density. That seems to be, you know, the case, it's almost like, some sort of entity wants to live in a body that they create. I don't know. It sounds creepy, but it also, if you forget me, it sounds cool that they create different uh, Frankenstein animal part bodies. Again, that's just my speculation. Uh, we have a couple of more questions before we finish. And uh, it's all about catamulation. And Don asks, are these one form in particular? Ra says, these entities may take any thought form associated with an emotion of fear or terror. Finally, Don asks, are these thought forms able to attack only cattle or, they, or can they also attack human beings? Ra says, these thought forms cannot attack third density beings. So we are not 
in danger of these um, attacks. So that's fine. Uh, it's not going to happen. <laughs> but in the previous question that I already forgot, um, they said there is... Okay, so yeah, this was the important part that I wanted to mention on, on the last couple of questions. Well, first, we're not in danger. And second, that if these thought forms are taking the emotion or taking uh, a shape or simply a vibration of fear or terror, we know that these are negative entities that exist, obviously, if they're doing this to animals. Um, they are negative entities that live in the astral planes and they're simply part of this planet um, because they take that, uh, that emotion of terror or fear. Why do I say this? Because when you um, get a visitation from a four density or even a fifth density, I don't think that's that's physically uh, viable, I believe. But say four density, I know that their visitations are usually, uh, whether that be by flying saucer or any other sort of uh, visitation, you get a feeling of, of fear and terror and uh, and doom and all that stuff. Whereas if you're visited by angelic beings and uh, other positive entities, you get a feeling of hope and uh, and bliss and all this stuff. So that's why I say that these are just lower astral plane dimensional beings that exist there and they're just creating those uh, thought forms for their bidding. Okay, so that's all I got for session 16, part three of this series. We're gonna get next week into part four and we're going to talk more about this session which is finally coming to an end in session 17 we'll talk about something really cool that i'm not going to mention yet but you can go and check it out and session 18 i'm going to remind um to watch it because i'm going to talk about yahweh again and the two yahwehs uh, i'm going to keep reading a little bit more i'm going to get uh, a little bit more information i want to make a conclusion here because it's, it's important for us to know why this happened and where is, there's a, there's a strong philosophical point to, to make here about the two Yahwehs, one being positive and the other one being negative, but that's going to be for session 18 down the line. Thank you so much for watching again. And if you haven't already, please subscribe because it makes my heart just beat faster and harder every time I look at those numbers, <laughs> slowly climbing, but it just means that people are watching and I, uh, I'm just honored that, um, that I can have that responsibility and every responsibility is an honor. All right, with that, I'll leave you and I'll see you in part four of session 16.